0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Hampton Inn, Waco North. Make sure you make the Hampton Inn, Waco North, your place to stay when you visit Waco, Texas, and the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Jackson Michael, author of The Game Before the Money, and writer-director of We Were the Oilers, The Love You Blue Era. And this episode is in the locker room with Ken Houston. We'll take a detailed look into the life and career of Texas Sports Hall of Famer, Ken Houston. At the time of his retirement, Ken Houston was widely recognized as the finest safety of his era. Houston Chronicle writer John McClain goes the extra yard in describing Ken Houston.
1: Safety in NFL history is not debatable. And what he accomplished in his career, first with the Oilers and then the Redskins, 12 consecutive Pro Bowls, he scored 12 touchdowns, an NFL record, five touchdowns on defense in 71. Best strong safety in history, and I'd love for somebody to try to argue that. I could recite off my head the things that he did that nobody else has done.
0: Ken's success wasn't accidental, his inner drive led him to greatness.
2: I was trying to be the best that I could be, and I felt like if there was any man in that position, then why shouldn't I be the best at that position?
0: The Ken Houston story opens with Lufkin, Texas, as the setting of chapter one. Ken was born near the end of World War II and found early footing in faith, family, and community.
1: I enjoyed growing up
2: there in Lufkin. You know, we were from a very protective family. It showed us a lot of love. We had the churches and and all the businesses were right there on the street that I lived in. We had a mortuary, we had a church, we had a dental office, and we had a, a doctor's office, a medical office. And we had you know the stores and stuff like that. So at the time in the early 50s. Equality, it was a big issue, but each town kind of ran their own thing, you know. And so what it did was it taught me to depend on God, family, and self. And I've never let that go through all the years that I've been living.
0: Ken's high school career didn't start with pads and cleats. It began with brass instruments in rehearsal rooms. He played in band before he played on the gridiron. I started off with the tuba, and then I ended up...
2: I quit? We had a concert and in this concert we played Richard the third and the first notes were ta 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 and I knew those notes. And after those notes I didn't know enough. So so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what? I warned this girlfriend and she was already in the band, so she wouldn't look for nobody in there. So I went out for the team, never never even
0: think about making it. Of course, Ken made the football team although it was in bittersweet fashion.
2: and One of the hardest things that's happened to me was that my brother and I played the same position, and I was a shade faster, say it like that. And so I won the job my junior year, and it kept him from playing. And so that was bittersweet. As a matter of fact, uh, I let her my junior year, and he didn't let her. And uh, I don't know if I ever wore that jacket with pride because I felt like he should have
0: Ken excelled at more than football. He describes himself as a well-rounded athlete in high school and could have been a decathlete. One school even offered him a basketball scholarship. The Rites of Autumn called, however, and Ken followed a classmate to Prairie View.
2: I was an offensive center. They had a tackle by the name of Wiley Smith. and He was big. Wiley was 6'3", I think, 245, 250, and Prairie View wanted him. I was good, but I was 197 pounds. And Prairie View was big. So when they came down, they wanted him, and he wouldn't go without me.
0: Ken's college football career nearly ended before it started in a rough practice.
2: We called him knocking. I guess his job was to cut me. So we were having a scrimmage one evening, and uh, I was an offensive center. We had these big two defensive tackles. I'm talking about eight over 300 pounds. We called them Tack and Twee, and they were good. They were really good. So I was always taught in high school, you could fake up, roll your shoulder, and you cut it. And so I did, and the back jumped through the hole and got about 15 yards, but Naki didn't like that. He called me Hemans. He didn't know my name. He said, Hemans, if you cut my guy again, you go take off your stuff. So after about five or six more minutes, now I'm really bleeding. You know, because these guys, I mean, they didn't hold back. I'm probably bleeding out of my eyes. But anyway, I rolled my shoulders up, lowered my shoulder, I cut him again. Back jumped through the hole, got real adequate yardage.
0: Naki walked up to Ken and again called him by the wrong name and ordered Ken to take off his gear. Ken crossed through the defensive huddle as he made his way off the field. Prairie View assistant coach Hoover Wright recognized the unfairness of the situation and offered Ken a chance to play on the defensive side of the ball. Ken accepted. Naki, however, didn't appreciate the gesture. He didn't want Ken playing on either side of the ball.
2: one of the biggest collisions ever heard on Prairie View's campus. <laughs> I mean, it was a vicious blow.
0: Thankfully, Ken recovered from the hit. After the scrimmage, Prairie View assistant coach Hoover Wright told Ken not to worry and to move past that day's events.
2: So the day I was being cut was the day I made the team. And I learned a tremendous lesson from it. You know, I learned that everything is not fair. And if it's for you, the world can't keep it from you.
0: Ken found a home at linebacker on a roster that boasted several future pro players, including Kansas City Chiefs star Otis Taylor. The Houston Oilers stole Ken in the 1967 draft, selecting him in the ninth round.
1: Think about it. Today, wouldn't he wouldn't even have been drafted. He would have been an undrafted free agent. Back then, he was drafted out of Prairie View in the ninth round, and today, of course, there's no ninth round.
0: The Oilers moved Ken to safety, and he paid quick dividends, snatching four interceptions and returning two for touchdowns. Ken's defensive playmaking helped the Oilers win the American Football League's East Division during his rookie year of 1967.
1: December 23rd,
2: 1967. You wonder why I remember that. It was two bottles of champagne left, so I'm not a drinker, so I wrote on mine December 23rd, 1967, and Garland Boyette yeah, had a bottle. <laughs>
0: Of course the money in pro football in 1967 was small but ken was happy with it he adds that sometimes he'd get a special congratulations from oilers owner bud adams after games
2: i remember my first year i made fourteen thousand dollars had a six thousand dollar bonus, and a brand new dodge Belera. and i'm thinking you know i got enough but anyway i remember bud uh, after a lot of games uh he would come up just shake my hand and sometimes be four or five hundred dollars in there
0: while Bud Adams remains unpopular with some fans, Ken holds him in high regard.
2: I'm one of the, probably the few guys who think Bud should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. I was traded, and then he hired me back, and then I left, and then he would call me back, and we, I'd fly to the gang with him down Tennessee. So we had some very real conversations, and they really didn't have anything to do with football individual that I respected and I respected the spam. When you see guy being put in the Hall of Fame and he's not in there, I-, I want to go on record to say that he's one that should be in there. In
0: 1971, Ken set several NFL records. On December 19th, during the final game of the season, he picked off two of Chargers quarterback John Hadle's passes and returned them for touchdowns. During that game, he set the NFL career record for interceptions returned for touchdowns with nine, set the NFL single-season record with four interceptions returned for touchdowns, and set the record for most interceptions returned for touchdowns in one game. I
2: barely tell them talk about that game because not that much I remember about it. Red Becker probably still got a scar, got hit up under the eye. And that's when they come out and give you the smell and thought, stuff like that. But they had put this plaster up under my eye. And I don't know if they put butterfly stitches on it, but there was a lot about the game I didn't really remember until I watched the film.
0: During that game, the Oilers trailed the Chargers 23-7 at halftime. Ken's two interception returns put the Oilers ahead by the end of the third quarter and route to a 49-33 victory at the Houston Astrodome.
2: I had these back-to-back returns against John Hazel. I intercepted the ball, ran it in. We kicked off, he threw another ball, intercepted, ran it in. I didn't even know it was a record.
0: Ken might not have realized that he was rewriting the NFL record book but he was fully aware of some unfriendly competition. I remember I
2: had this big offensive tackle, and I mean, I was running for my life, because I'd never seen a big man run that fast. <laughs> and I crossed the goal line, and I'm telling me, I'm, I'm running. I wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but I wasn't the storage one either. And this guy was going to catch me, and he was going to put me out. That second that I owe to him, because I was running for my life.
0: In a moment... We'll hear about a phone call that changed Ken's career when we return to In the Locker Room with Ken Houston on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast presented by the Hampton Inn, Waco North.
1: This is Cliff Harris, free safety for the Dallas
2: Cowboys. You're listening to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast.
0: Enjoy it. If you've enjoyed listening today, please visit the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in Waco. The museum tells the story of the greatest athletes and coaches in Texas history by using objects from its collection, which numbers over 15,000. And when you come to Waco, be sure and stay at the Hampton Inn Waco North, located just eight minutes from the museum on I-35. The Hampton Inn has recently been renovated and includes free hot breakfast free Wi-Fi, and an indoor-outdoor pool. And since the Hampton Inn is the official hotel of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, you never know who you might bump into in the lobby. Hey, is that Earl Campbell? The Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast presented by the Hampton Inn, Waco North. In the Locker Room with Ken Houston. Ken's historic 1971 season included a fumble recovery return for a touchdown, giving him five defensive touchdowns on the season. The next year, in 1972, the Oilers suffered a disastrous 1-13 season. The team hired Sid Gilman as GM, and later as head coach. Gilman's office placed an early morning phone call to Ken before the 1973 season. I
2: remember we were in camp, and uh, we had to be on the field at 8.30 or 9 o'clock. And so about 7 o'clock, the phone rang. I was still in bed. And Nancy, who was the secretary, said, Hey, uh, Mr. Gilman, wants want to see you in his office at 9 o'clock. I said, OK. And so I put the phone down, laid it back down. I said, 9 o'clock? I am supposed to be on the field at 9 o'clock. And so I called her back and I said, uh, did you guys trade me? She says, I, you know, I don't, you know, I know nothing about that kind of stuff like that.
0: Ken told the secretary that he needed to be on the field by 9 o'clock and that he would come to Sid Gilman's office immediately. Ken knocked on Gilman's door when he arrived.
2: So I go in and knock on the door. Kenny, come on in. And I said, I tell you what I say, I'll come in, but before I come in, I need to know something. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, well, did you guys trade me? Well, you know, it, it's kind of a long story, and I, I'd like to tell you, I said, uh, before I come through your door, I wonder if you traded me. And uh, he said, well, yeah, we traded you. And I said, okay. I said, well, who'd you trade me to? And he said, well, come in." I said, well, if you just tell me who you traded me to. To the Redskins. And I said, okay, thank you. Never walked through his door. To this day, I hadn't walked through his door.
0: Washington traded five players to acquire Ken. John McClain notes the importance of quality over quantity when assessing the trade in hindsight.
1: The Oilers made one of the worst trades in history, trading to the Redskins for five guys who didn't do squat.
0: Although the trade turned out to be a great one for Washington, Ken's new team was less than excited to welcome him aboard.
2: They were a veteran ball club. They had lost five guys in the trade. I wasn't the most popular guy in camp, and I couldn't start because George Ellen didn't believe in giving jobs where you had to earn it. Because you had to earn your way in with the team, with the players, you know.
0: It didn't take long for Ken to make a lasting impact with the Redskins, however. Facing arch rival Dallas on October 8th, 1973, he made one of the finest tackles of his career on Monday Night Football. With Washington clinging to a 14-7 fourth quarter lead and mere seconds remaining on the clock, Ken found himself in the middle of determining the outcome.
2: It was fourth and four and four, I remember that. They had this tight end, Gene Fugit, and the running back was Ward Garrison, and the quarterback was Craig Morton. So anyway, they had this play where they would block the tight end down and tip him across the inside, and they'd swing the back, and whichever one would come open, you know, that's the one he would hit.
0: Ken and his teammates had prepared for the play. Ken and free safety Brig Owens played what they called a combo coverage. If the tight end would stay inside, Ken would automatically swing out and cover the running back.
2: Sure enough, we snapped the ball and they ran that play. And the back swung out. And I was on the way up the intercept and I couldn't get between him and the ball. So when he caught the ball, I caught him and wouldn't let him down. (laughs) You
0: know? Walt Garrison was known as one of the league's toughest players. He had played in an NFC Championship game and a Super Bowl with a broken collarbone. In the offseason, Garrison worked in the rodeo business. Keeping Garrison from crossing the goal line was a difficult task. The two players struggled against each other near the one-yard line as the game clock expired.
2: And it was this quiet, like I'm talking to you now? That's how quiet it was in the stadium, not a sound. And then when I was pulling him back, he tried to lateral the ball, and then all of a sudden you could hear the noise. It came in like a staccato.
0: Ken tossed Garrison to the ground, preserving the win for his new team, giving the Cowboys their first loss of the season, and putting the Redskins into a first-place tie with them as millions watched on national television. And I
2: never stayed up all night after a game, but I did that night. I mean, I was so excited.
0: The play earned the respect of Ken's teammates and cemented his legacy with fans overnight. His playmaking continued to put him into the Pro Bowl every season. During his career in Washington, Ken made 24 interceptions, only one fewer than he made with the Houston Oilers. However, there was one big difference in those interceptions.
2: And when I got to the Redskins, I never had another return for a touchdown. You know, I always felt that I could operate best in the middle of the field because you're operating as an offensive lineman and quarterback. If you could take it back to the middle of the field, it was just a matter of cutting back, you know, unless you got a sideline deal. In Washington, they had this planned return. You know, you get the ball and everybody go to the sideline. There were twenty two people over there. You <laughs> know, it's like
0: <laughs> He notes that the team had a similar plan for punt returns.
2: One time the punt return I got hurt. In the game. And we had a planned return that's where you get the ball and take a step, and then everybody run for the sideline. And I fielded the ball and took two steps toward the sideline, and everybody ran over there. All the Cowboys, all the Redskins. I said, oh, I'm not going over there. <laughs> and so I take the ball and cut it back to the right and ran a 51 yard touchdown. I did it the next time, and I fumbled, and I never ran back another fumble. They never <laughs> even racked right it.
0: Ken Houston retired from football after the 1980 season. His career achievements earned him a spot as a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. It
2: came out that I was one of 25 finalists. I'm thinking, whoa, they thought about putting me in the Hall of Fame. And I clip out this little bit of article, and I told my wife, I said, if I ever have kids, I'm going to show them this article.
0: Ken learned he had been elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame on a day that many Americans will never forget.
2: The day that I was elected, the Challenger exploded. I was on a call with a news guy, and he said, i got to get back with you because the Challenger just exploded. My wife worked at NASA for a while. But all this was just kind of tied together.
0: Ken entered the Hall of Fame in 1986 with a class that included Doak Walker, Willie Lanier, Fran Tarkington, and Paul Horning. He's thankful about being elected in his first year of eligibility and for having entered the Hall of Fame during that period of time.
2: When I got to the Hall, I was really excited about being there, but you don't realize the impact when you're first ballot. You don't realize how hard it is to get in, because you didn't have to wait. So once your name has been up and you don't make it, man, that's got to be agonizing. And I was the most fortunate guy in the world. And not so much that it was the Hall of Fame, it's just that I got a chance to meet and Miley, Johnny United's Night Train Lane. That was the history of the game, and so they discussed the history of the game. And so now when I talk to the young guys, it's a separation from what it was, but this is what it has evolved into.
0: Ken would like to have former players have more say in the Hall of Fame elections, similar to how Pro Bowl rosters were selected in his era. If you
2: let the players pick who should go in there, and then you look at a lot of these guys that are playing without the limelight. They're showing on a lot of players. And these guys sometimes are better than those players, but they just don't get the recognition. And so players know. And like my situation, I shouldn't be able to pick nothing but a tight end. That's who I play against. A defensive tackle, I shouldn't be able to pick nothing but an offensive tackle. They used to pick the pro like that. You know, like I couldn't vote for nothing but a tight end.
0: He furthers his point. By listing the tight ends that gave him the most trouble,
2: Bob Trompe from Cincinnati, Raymond Chester, a guy played here in Houston, Willard Frazier. Nobody ever even married of. Him. He ran a four five forty, two hundred and forty, two hundred and fifty pounds. He was like a wide receiver. Would cross your eyes on every turn.
0: The Texas Sports Hall of Fame inducted Ken Houston in 1994. The Lufkin native relishes the honor.
2: So I get a chance to see him. Uh, Joe Green, get a chance to see him. Uh, Lawrence Elkin, get a chance to see him. Uh, Donnie Anderson, get a chance to see him. And a lot of other people that are older than I am. (laughs) So I, I get a chance to see them. I guess what the Hall of Fame really does, it sets you apart. All athletes are great because of what they did to participate in the sport. But the Hall of Fame sets you apart. And a lot more guys probably could be in there, probably should be in there, but you're one of the chosen ones, so at least once a year, you know, you get a chance to get back and see Don Tru, and the Baylor Bears, and, you know, people that went out to Dunbar and Lufkin, thought that I would probably never meet, never see. So you get a chance to become friends with them, and, uh, you know, you understand life a little bit better once you meet them. It's just a good place to be.
0: Ken remains grateful for his roots, and the opportunities that he's been given.
2: Because all roads lead to our home. When there's time and when there's peace, my man run up and down the streets of Lufkin. I think about my grandmother and my mother every day. I remember when they was picking cottages would take us with them two dollars for I know through fate the opportunity was presented to me to play the game of football. And there's just so many things that I'm thankful for that I got an opportunity to understand. The quicker you can understand life, the quicker you can live it. At this point, the only regret I have is that I can't live another lifetime. That's the only regret I have.
0: John McClain notes that Ken Houston's legacy stretches beyond the game.
1: As great of a player as Kenny was even greater person he does so much in Houston for charity charity golf tournaments charity appearances he works with kids Ken Houston is as good as they come as a man as a player and as a representative of the sport of football
0: thank you for listening to in the locker room with Ken Houston on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast presented by the Hampton Inn, Waco North. Please visit the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in Waco. And when you do, book your stay at the Hampton Inn, Waco North. This episode is also made possible by a generous gift from Rob and Nanette Lynch who congratulate their dear friends Ken and Gusty for being featured on In the Locker Room with Ken Houston.